Welcome to the 32nd episode of the Disney Cruise Line blog podcast. On this episode, we are going to preview the changes announced by Disney Cruise Line for the Disney Magic's upcoming dry dock beginning on February 23rd. The Magic, which is currently sailing out of Port Miami, will head to Freeport in the Bahamas for a 14-night dry dock. This dry dock is more the traditional shorter dry dock, you know, take care of things, inspection and whatnot. Um, although the biggest change that's coming out of this dry dock is Disney announced that Karaoke's, the restaurant that was added during the 2013 reimagination, will be replaced with a with Rapunzel's Royal Table. Now, Rapunzel's Royal Table is a new dining experience inspired by the story of Disney's Tangled. It's also the first restaurant to be themed after Tangled that will feature the characters as well as live entertainment. The dinner experience will feature an evening of music and interactive fun, including Rapunzel and the mischievous, mischievous snuggling duckling thugs. Now, this decision to change karaoke's into Rapunzel's Royal Table can only be a result of the success of Tiana's Place recently added aboard the Disney Wonder during her recent reimagination. We've had the opportunity to dine in Tiana's a couple of times now. And I gotta tell you, it is really a great overall dining experience, a not-to-be-missed uh, you know, dinner during your cruise. The show, the you know, the interactive activity with the characters. Uh, it's really enjoyable. Not to mention the theme menu and just the overall ambiance and the theming of the venue. I can see why they're, in a way, replicating, you know, an experience like this on the Disney one, on the, I'm sorry, on the Disney Magic. And hopefully we'll see this kind of get rolled out, you know, on the new ships coming and maybe even on the Dream and Fantasy. I'm going to read you a little of what Disney is put out there for Rapunzel's Royal Table. Guests will step inside a regal ballroom in the Royal Castle, lit by glowing wish lanterns and adorned with colorful drawings that reflect Rapunzel's artistic talents. Here, the King and Queen of Corona invite everyone to take part in a festive celebration of Rapunzel's birthday and the anniversary of her return to the kingdom. Throughout dinner, guests of all ages will be treated to live entertainment, including a spirited singing and dancing led by the maitre d', a merry band of musicians, the mischievous snuggly duckling thugs, and of course Princess Rapunzel herself. The family fun is complete with themed menus, special activities, and a lively parade to cap off the evening in Corona. If that doesn't sound like a replication of the experience in Tiana's place, I don't know what does. And that's a good thing, because what they did on the Wonder with Tiana's place was something special. In addition to having Rapunzel's Royal Table and the whole dinner atmosphere vibe that's going on, it'll play really well on the Disney Magic along with Tangled the Musical. Uh, kind of for that whole immersive, Tangled experience throughout the cruise. I really enjoy Tangled, so I'm looking forward to getting back on the Magic once uh, these changes are complete. One of the other uh, changes, Disney didn't really announce all that much, you know, you know, what they're planning to do with this dry dock. And that's kind of a good thing. It leaves room for a lot of surprises, a lot, you know, to explore once you're on the ship. Disney also revealed that Vibe will be redesigned, giving teens an all-new space themed to a trendy urban loft environment. Teens can enjoy a new coffee and smoothie bar, play video and virtual reality games, and check out other cool activities like a DJ spinoff and other group activities such as movie making. Over on the adult side, Cove Cafe will be redesigned into a sophisticated tropical style venue. It's a perfect place to sip specialty coffee or tea throughout the day or indulge in wine or a cocktail and light bites during the evening hours near the serene quiet quove pool. 
In addition, Signal's bar, which was in bad shape, and I'm surprised it was untouched in the last, during the reimagination, will also be transformed with a similar tropical vibe. When Disney made the announcement, they did not release and have still yet to release any renderings of the new, you know, Rapunzel's Royal Table, changes the vibe, Cove Cafe, Signals Bar. What it looks like will kind of be a mystery, I guess, or will be revealed once guests get back on the ship. Beginning Mar Friday, March 9th, when the Disney Magic returns to service with a five-night Bohemian cruise. One thing to note, if you're sailing on the Disney Magic you know, before this dry dock period here in February, uh, Disney is essentially closing down Karaoke's a little bit early and will be having guests, you know, part of their rotational dine in cabanas on the four night Bahamian cruise that leaves on February 14th and the uh, five night Western Caribbean cruise on February 18th. I'm going to read the letter that Disney emailed out to uh, guests and travel agents with had clients booked. We're delayed to you have chosen a Disney Cruise Line vacation. To better assist in planning for your cruise, we want to take we want to make you aware that karaoke's will be unavailable during your sailing as the area is being refurbished. During this time, Cabanas, our casual dining restaurant located on Deck 9 Aft, will come to life with enhanced entertainment nightly as one of the evening dining experiences. There'll be two open seating periods in Cabanas that coincide with main and second dinner seating times for your guests to enjoy. So, in truth, the dry dock is scheduled for 14 nights. Uh, they're definitely getting a head start because they probably, you know, have the timetable based on how long it took them to, you know, redo Parrot Key on the Wonder into Tiana's. And now they have a pretty good, obviously a good time allotted to transform Karaoke's into Rapunzel's Royal Table. And that kind of sums up what has been announced for the Disney Magic during this upcoming dry dock. Earlier this week, the Walt Disney Company held their first quarter for 2018 earnings call. Uh, Bob Iger, during the beginning of the webcast, is kind of highlights what's happening in the Parks and Resorts segment of the company. Uh, Disney Cruise Line does not, you know, is not reported you know, by itself in these things. It's all, they are lumped in with the parks and resorts uh, area of the company. And here's what he had to say. I also want to highlight our parks and resorts business, which continues to successfully leverage our incredible collection of IP to create and deliver an exceptional entertainment experience for millions of guests as evidenced by their performance in Q1. All of which deepens our confidence in the significant investments we're making to grow the business around the world, including commissioning three new cruise ships to expand our award-winning fleet, adding Toy Story lands in Shanghai and Orlando, building Star Wars Galaxy's Edge in Disneyland and Disney World, and preparing to incorporate more of our popular IP into Disneyland Paris. The investments we've made in IP, in addition to the numerous investments we've made across the world in our parks and resorts businesses, have driven dramatic growth over the last decade and we're confident this trend will continue well into the future. I'm going to turn the call over to Christine to talk about the details of our results in the quarter, and then we'll take your questions. Christine? Thanks, Bob, and good afternoon, everyone. Excluding certain items affecting comparability, most notably a one-time $1.6 billion benefit associated with tax reform, 
earnings per share for the first fiscal quarter were up 22% to $1.89. This $1.89 includes a $0.22 benefit from a lower federal tax rate in fiscal 2018. Given our September fiscal year end, our fiscal 2018 federal tax rate is 24.5%. Turning to segment results, parks and resorts delivered another strong quarter of financial performance. Operating income increased 21% due to growth at our domestic operations in Disneyland Paris. I'll note the year-over-year growth reflects the unfavorable impact of Hurricane Matthew and a dry dock at Disney Cruise Line during Q1 last year. At our domestic operations, operating income was up 18% over prior year, driven by higher results at domestic parks and resorts and growth at Disney Cruise Line and Disney Vacation Club. And during that call, it was, you know, Disney Cruise Line was mentioned a couple times. And in particular, they were kind of letting investors know ahead of time of what to expect in the second quarter as a result of the dry dock that's coming up. We estimate the timing of the Easter holiday period will shift approximately $35 million in operating income from Q3 to Q2. This benefit will be partially offset by the impact of a 14-day dry dock of the Disney Magic, which will adversely affect Disney Cruise Line's operating income by about $20 million. I mean, I guess the good news is they're saving on fuel costs. This final clip is part of the question and answer period of the earnings call. Uh, More or less, it's just Bob Iger, again, mentioning the expansion of the Disney Cruise Line fleet. Our next question comes from Stephen Cahall with Royal Bank of Canada. Yeah, thank you. Um, so uh, my question is just kind of on how you're going to use some of your incremental cash flow you've got um, from tax reform, both the rate going down and the accelerated depreciation. And you've talked about a couple of billion synergies and uh, with the transaction. And then Bobby said you're looking to create and grow a, a global direct-to-consumer business. And your biggest competitor there just continues to increase the amount of cash they're spending on original content. So when we think about some of the incremental cash that you're going to have at hand, how do you think about, you know, how many billions of that you need to put back into these direct-to-consumer enterprises to be competitive and to grow at the global scale you want to be at? Well, in the early interview that I did on CNBC, I was asked a similar question. You know, we've, we've had a real blend in terms of how we've allocated our capital, increased dividends, Uh, continued share buyback, actually got more aggressive in the last few years, and then investing both in acquisition and in organic growth, theme parks being a great example of that with the the expansion that we've talked about, not just, by the way, Shanghai, but the expansion of every park or every resort around the world, and then the commitment to build uh, three new cruise ships. And that's all benefited us greatly. As we look forward, we believe that you'll see a similar blend, except, as I said earlier, too, with the acquisition of 21st Century Fox, I, can, I think you can check that box off for a while. I don't think we're going to be in the market looking to acquire uh, for quite a long period of time. Uh, in terms of how we might allocate the other capital, I think if, you have to look at the film and television production as investment in organic growth. In this case, it'll be aimed at growing our presence in direct-to-consumer platforms. We have not been specific yet about what incremental spend that will be. I think we were looking to say something more about that um, around this time, 
uh, you know, of year, but since the acquisition of 21st Century Fox, that's going to shift. And until we get closer to full regulatory approval and essentially absorbing those assets, we're probably not likely to say something specific. What we do have that's very, very interesting that we're quite mindful of as we take these direct-to-consumer properties to market is we have the benefit of these wonderful brands. So if you look at the Disney direct-to-consumer uh, product, which is not in the market and you haven't seen it yet, and you consider that it will be populated in terms of product by Disney, Marvel, Pixar, uh, Star Wars uh, product, we have an opportunity to spend more on, on original product, of course, but not necessarily to go in, a volume, in the volume direction, say, that Netflix has gone, because we have this unique brand proposition. And the demand for those brands, we believe, will give us the, the ability to spend less on, or on volume. It's not to suggest that we're going to be low, because we obviously are going to need enough critical mass from a product perspective. But when you go to market with Star Wars movies, Disney movies, Pixar movies, Marvel branded and, and branded television shows under those umbrellas, in some cases using very well-known IP. We're developing a monster series. We're developing a high school musical series. We're developing a Star Wars series, just to name a few. That will give us the ability to probably spend less than if we had gone to market with a direct-to-consumer service uh, without these brands. Maybe just to follow up with Hulu, just similar question. Um, you know, do you feel like because that is more of a broader, you know, to use your term, volume platform, is it at the right level of original content or total content spending, or do you see needing to be more aggressive there as well? No, we, we're a 30% owner of, of, of Hulu right now, and we have not chosen to speak on Hulu's behalf on such matters. They have been increasing not only the amount of product that they've licensed, but the amount of product uh, that they produce, and with some considerable success, Handmaid's Tale being the most recent example of that. So they're ramping up their volume. They're also packaging the subscription service with a multi, a multi the subscription SVOD service with a multi-channel service, and that product is doing quite well. I know they mentioned that they had in excess of 17 million subs, and we're not going to update that. We'll leave it to to their team if and when they choose to do so. But uh, you know, that will give them the ability to continue to increase volume, but by going into market with a slightly different set of products, the channels being the, different, the differentiator. There's an opportunity, obviously, when we own more production capability to create more for those platforms, but we don't have anything specific to address at this point. In other news, Disney Cruise Line recently announced the return of Star Wars Day at Sea and Marvel Day at Sea cruises for 2019 sailings aboard the Disney Fantasy and the Disney Magic, respectively. Star Wars Day at Sea will begin on the seven-night Western Caribbean cruise embarking on January 5th, 2019, and will sail for the next for nine cruises, and the, with the last cruise that was announced being March 2nd, 2019. It's a little bit different than uh, 2018. There's a considerable difference in the total number of Star Wars Day at Sea sailings in 2019. In 2018, there were 15 sail dates guests could pick from, you know, from January into, uh, you know, mid to mid late April. This is a substantial reduction in the total number of sailings from year to year. So much, in fact, I have received 
quite a number of emails asking if, you know, my opinion, if I think they'll be expanded into, you know, the rest of March and April. But honestly, I don't know. I would imagine if they were going to do so, they would have announced them right then and there. I don't really see the benefit of holding those dates back any further. Uh, so moving to the Disney magic, there will be a total of 10 Marvel Sea Cruises uh, between January 6, 2019 and March 8, 2019. All uh, five-night Western or Bohemian cruises from Miami. I wouldn't say there was a reduction or addition. It's you know more or less the same you know, amount of Star Wars Day at Sea Cruises uh, for 2019. Uh, I'm just saying that because 2017-18 were kind of like a mix, you know, with this inaugural year of inaugural season of Marvel Day at Sea Cruises. Uh, they definitely seem to be holding strong with the total number that they're doing. And before we wrap up this episode, I just wanted to kind of go over a few things. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, I've been trying to get out some of that video from our uh, Alaskan cruise this past summer. I still have a little bit to go, but uh, you can check it out. Those are posted. Check out the video page on our website to the, get a quick link to the YouTube or YouTube channel uh, with those latest Alaskan, you know, videos that we put up. Uh, additionally, it's kind of that time of year where I start getting asked when are the summer itineraries going to be released? Uh, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago in a special offer, our Monday special offer post. And since, and I kind of threw this together, Disney Cruise Line has been running that uh, 50% off initial deposit promotion, and it ends on February 15th of this year. And well, that doesn't really mean anything, but if you kind of, I'm one that kind of looks for patterns, you know, things happen in a cycle. So just kind of going best based on what happened last year. Um, Disney revealed their summer sailings on February 21st last year. That's just about a week after the end of the half off promotion that, you know, also ended on February 15th last year. So, and just following the kind of pattern, the summer Disney's summer 2019 itineraries, I know, Based on how they were announced last year, my best guess right now is on or around February 20th, we'll probably find out, you know, with, you know, Rollout, Platinum, uh, Gold, Silver, and first-time cruisers being able to book and whatnot, just like they've been doing. Um, do I know this? Do I have any inside track on this? I don't. I'm just kind of speculating. For instance just kind of history of when the summer itineraries have been announced in 2015. The announcement came out March 23rd, uh, 2016 was April 12th and last year it was February 21st. So we're getting around that time where we can start keeping an eye out for the summer itinerary dates. And with that, I say thank you for listening till next time. Thank you for joining us. If you've enjoyed the episode, please feel free to share it with your friends and followers. We'd also be very grateful if you could rate and review our podcast on iTunes. If you have any issues, please drop us an email. You can connect with the show via the comments section on the website, email us at contact at disneycruiselineblog.com, follow us on Twitter at the DCL blog, or on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Disney Cruise Line blog. Additionally, 
you can leave a voicemail, which we will try to incorporate into future podcasts, with your questions, comments, or feedback on the show by calling 321-765-3252.